0: Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. the bullshit. put the bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window. Open it and stick your head out and yell.
1: Welcome back to the Bullshit Filter, Ray. How do you feel this morning? Do you feel like filtering some bullshit?
2: I do. I always do. Ever since I've met you, it's become a passion of mine.
1: Tony Kynaston was over here for dinner the other night, and we got chatting, and uh, he said, uh, Ray's changed. Ray's changed <laughs> over the course of your, your career together. He's he's become a lot more sort of outspoken and lefty. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. become a lot more gay as well, <laughs> but that's okay.
2: Well, well <laughs> the, the anger in the lefty is like the homosexual. I mean, it was always there. It was latent. I just latent, needed you to bring latent. it
1: out. Yeah. By
2: yeah. Um, putting it in.
1: Ray and I just had a funny discussion off air where he was telling me about how hard he's been working, <laughs> which... As we drilled down into it, we basically figured out his day is spent reading and playing with a puppy. Right? He's like, "Oh, such a hard day." Oh! In, in
2: my defense, I don't know all twenty-six letters of the alphabet, and I don't like the dog. But don't tell my kids that. <laughs> so, it, okay, maybe it's not hard, but it's stressful because I don't want to do it. But anyway, well, that's. From,
1: uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can always go back to go back to work. I could.
2: I'm trying to remember you how about it? did I drop the mic when I left? Did I tell anybody to fuck off? I'm trying to remember. You know, I better stay here. I think I'll stay here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Back to our discussion about cocaine. Nah.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, in London in 1916, Ray, during World War I, mm-hmm. the department store Harrods was selling a kit Aww. described as a welcome present for friends at the front. Containing cocaine, it says like morphine. a holiday. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Yeah, <laughs> cocaine, morphine, syringes, and needles. You mm. could buy that at Harrod's in 1916, which is pretty much a, a hundred years ago. Right, a um, couple of bucks, maybe yeah. not even that. A couple of pennies, whatever they had back then. I don't know, Governor. Whatever you have, couple of <laughs> couple couple of old. Chicky chocks. They probably have a like a little. They probably had like a rhyming slang name for it. Well, maybe not. Harrods is a bit upper class, right? Do you know? Do you know? Yeah. Do you know? Do you, do you know when Harrods was uh, established? No, I do not. When eighteen twenty four, mm. by is Charles yeah. Henry Harrod. Nice. Mm.
2: Been around for a while because you know, maybe I should be stuck in that
1: nearly 200 years.
2: Well, yeah, you're, you're never going to go out of business when you sell opium. I thought we established that.
1: And do you know who owns it now?
2: No, some white guys,
1: no, uh, on the contrary, um, the Qatar Investment Authority, Qatar,
2: <laughs> good for them, they a little they, yeah,
1: they bought it from. Um, Fayed, uh Princess Dai's lover's father. Right. Muhammad al El Fayed. You know, Princess Die, she died in the Mercedes. Yeah. Quote unquote accident. Um and that's what we should do on the bullshit field, of Princess Dies death. Um yeah, he, she died in that accident, and the guy that she, was in the car who died with her was Muhammad El Fayed's uh, son, Dodie, I think. Right. Yeah. Dodie bird. Um uh, yeah, anyway, so he sold it to uh Qatar in 2010. Mm. So there you go, it's owned by Arabs basically. Oh, did, not, yeah. did
2: not see that coming. I did want to mention that, um at this time, as we're, as we're probably I think we covered it last time, there was no restrictions on the possession or use of cocaine opium, that kind of stuff, or other kind of drugs but when a store or a doctor or whoever sold these items uh, they had to have detailed records and so Herod was actually fined five pounds in February of 1916 for not keeping accurate records. So that was as tough as it got. Mm. You could You could sell all you want you just had to have records of it and if you didn't, that was the only way they could Punish you was to fine you for that
1: The Times of London uh started running these uh salacious stories around about nineteen sixteen, worrying that the use of cocaine would undermine the combat effectiveness of the british army Hold on a second well you you you're sending them drugs yeah uh that's 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 no good. <laughs> And in, in the February twelfth, 1916 issue, one of its journalists wrote, there's no doubt that to the soldier subjected to nervous strain and hard work, <laughs> you think that's no. what soldiers in World War I were being subjected to? Nervous strain <laughs> and hard work. How about to the soldier in the middle of a trench with dysentery getting shot at Dead bodies everywhere. Fucking must was it mustard gas that they mustard invented? Gas, artillery shells, yeah. <laughs> Machine gun fire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> once used, that's oh that's God. very British, isn't it? All of that they just said. Let's just never strain. That's what we'll call it. We'll call it. You've got to never strain. Uh, anyway, cocaine once used must become a terrible temptation. It will, for the hour, charm away his trouble his fatigue, and his anxiety. It will give him fictitious strength and vigor. Mm. But it will also, in the end, render him him worthless as a soldier and as a man.
2: I'll take two. Yeah, and I was reading something about, so not only are they starting to grow concerned about what it's doing to, these, to the soldiers, and as we talked about last time, I think you said this was a German invention. Not only that, but uh, people were starting to realize that Britain was a major hub of the drug trade in, for India and China, that kind of stuff. And they're starting to combine the, um, the events of selling drugs and prostitution. So a lot of this stuff is starting to come together in a very negative way. And someone's going, oi! we have to do something about this because it's starting to affect larger and larger segments of society. But like you said, especially our soldiers.
1: Yeah. And they were, they were convinced that it was all a cunning plan. (laughs) It was all a cunning plan on behalf of the Germans, (laughs) (laughs) right? The Germans, the Germans have a cunning plan. To put the drugs into the British soldiers.
2: We will win this war, I tell you now. Yeah.
1: And I- it made sense, of course, because the, the, uh, the Germans invented... The uh, cocaine.
0: Don't worry, Mr. B. I have a cunning plan to solve
1: the problem. Yes, Bordick, let us not forget that you tried to solve the problem of your mother's low ceiling
2: by cutting off her head.
1: (laughs) It was the Germans who invented the bloody stuff. Um, So they figured, you know, the Germans obviously couldn't beat the British army mano a mano because, hey, we're the British.
2: Right. God's on their side.
1: Exactly, and yeah. so they they figured the the only reason they hadn't won the war at this stage is because the Germans must have been uh, you know getting drugs into the British soldiers. It wasn't that the British soldiers were like, "Fuck this shit, I'm going to just get high <laughs> and uh, pretend I'm somewhere else." So on the um, on, on May eleventh, nineteen sixteen, the Army Council which was sort of like the War Council, you know, the uh, wartime uh, government authority, particularly over the war, issued an order banning any unauthorised sale or supply of psychoactive substances, Mm. mostly mostly cocaine but also codeine, hemp, heroin, morphine and opium, to any members of the armed forces except for medical reasons and only by prescription.
2: Now That sounds fair.
1: I don't know about you, Ray Bear, but if I was in a trench in World War I, Mm -hmm. I'd want to be on as many drugs as possible.
2: (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, if if you weren't there with me, I I would have to take drugs. Did you hear what happened on the very same day that they passed this Regulation 40B?
1: There no, what a, happened?
2: There was a trial. It seems that a mis- certain Mr. Johnson was supplying cocaine to soldiers via certain prostitutes. But under the concurrent trial. Wait, wait,
1: wait, yeah. wait, how, yeah. did, how did the prostitutes get to the front lines of World War well, I?
2: I guess when it's when they um either were going back for leave into Paris, into oh. France, or but the but the point mm. is because they had proof of the, what this guy was doing at the moment, even though they just passed this, what he was doing was not Ill, illegal, so they had to let him go on the same day that they that they passed this. So it was a bit of a black eye, but the point is that they're starting to take steps. Mm. So Mr. Johnson walked out jauntily with his prostitutes under his arm and cocaine in his pot. I don't know. I don't know. But basically, he, he walked away free, man.
1: You know, I just like the idea of, let's say you've got a big war, like World War One and it's going on. It's going right. on, and it's on, and it's on. I like the idea. Like it's going on probably longer than than most wars have ever gone on. Any war? What? What? what how many wars went on longer than World War One before World War One? Like, f- how many wars went on for four years?
2: Yeah, well, but, but before then it was like um uh, what, what do you call it prolonged wars where they weren't always fighting each other. But you're
1: absolutely right. They this come the, yeah
2: right the first they time they have a, they was, have a yeah. battle,
1: then they go away, then they come exactly. back again.
2: This is the big I, one.
1: I, so I think should be a new rule that if you're having one of these big wars. Right. All right, folks, I've got some rain in the background, so I apologize for that. Not much I can do. If it gets too much louder, I'll... If you see an arc... Give up. Uh, panic. <laughs> so you, you should stop the war and say, right, we're having a break, just prostitutes and drugs for a week. That's all. I think... Say Christmas. Christmas of each year. I'm pretty sure the Geneva Conventions should have that written into it. <laughs> no, fuck Christmas, just like every month. You fight for 30 days. <laughs> right. Then you hard. stop and you have prostitutes yeah. and drugs for a week, and then you can go back to fighting for another 30 days. I think that would be reasonable. Anyway,
2: I, getting well, back to I, I, I want to mm. be known as the soldier. I fight hard, but I also play hard. So yeah. I, I could go along with that. <laughs> you
1: know, and,
2: you know, if you knew, right,
1: I just got to get through the next 30 days, then right. I've got hookers and I drugs. Could,
2: I could do that. I could do I that. I could
1: knuckle down. Yeah, it wouldn't be yeah. so depressing. Yeah. You wouldn't have so much PTSD afterwards because after the war, people would be just remembering the hookers and the drugs. <laughs> what
2: do you remember? Uh,
1: why, why, why aren't we in control of shit, right? They should put <laughs> us in control. We know us what's going on.
2: and Barry and Stan should be allowed to rule the world.
1: <laughs> this uh, army council thing was part of the Dora, the Explorer, the Defense <clears throat> of the Realm Act. Um, I love this. This was kind of like a wartime uh emergency powers thing, you know, the right. DORA that they'd passed, had a, v- a whole variety of authoritarian social control mechanisms. Um, oh, that's getting loud. That's at a four now. Uh... <laughs> so it also ushered in a variety of really interesting authoritarian social control mechanisms, uh like censorship. It was one line in the door that said no person shall by word of mouth or in writing spread reports likely to cause disaffection or alarm among any of his majesty's forces Mm. or among the civil population sounds like the Patriots Act yeah don't you love a good democracy (laughs) look you have freedom of speech as long as you don't say anything that (laughs) could upset us (laughs)
0: You're okay.
2: You're okay until that point. Yeah.
1: Uh, A number of people went to jail as a result of this, including the great British philosopher Bertrand Russell, Mm. who spoke out against the war and uh, was sent to prison, I think for like six months.
2: Oh, my goodness. He's not used to that Mm. kind of lifestyle.
1: I was just looking him up the other day and thinking, shit, he wrote like 150 books. (laughs) and i haven't i think i might have read one long time ago but yeah. i really i really need to read my bertrand russell man like uh, i feel i feel guilty this age and i haven't read more bertrand russell
2: bring a copy with you on the uh, on the europe trip
1: Oh, the europe trip oh god what a pain in the ass that is <laughs> for me <laughs> i'll get you some opium Uh, Yeah, I'll be taking drugs on that trip, I tell you, just to get through. Um, Other things that were banned by the Dora included Mm -hmm. flying kites, starting bonfires, buying binoculars, feeding wild animals, discussing (laughs) naval and military matters, or buying alcohol on public transport. Did you say discussing
2: military matters with the animals?
1: (laughs) Yes. Or feeding them? Yeah, yeah. Starting bonfires with animals. Um, giving. <laughs> looking at animals through binoculars. Now, I don't know you about you, Ray, but I always like to buy my liqueurs from. Lique, lique, liqueurs, Liquors. L- liquor. My liquor. Right. From guys dressed <laughs> like hobos on railroad cars. Now, they tell me it's limoncello, and who am I to question a hobo? He said, no, it's his limoncello. I don't want to be stopped from doing that. No. Now, I understand. Now, apparently the flying kites I read was because they thought zeppelins would be able to see them. They'd be like, oh, look, there's a kid (laughs) down there flying a kite. Let's drop a bomb on him. We've got bombs, a Um, child? Same with starting bonfires. It, like, gives away your position. I'm in the middle of fucking London. (laughs) Oh, well. Yeah, but they didn't know that until you lit a fire. Now, they can see you buying binoculars... All right. I guess. I get that. I guess. Well, why? Is well, it because sending, maybe you could use it to send signals. I don't know. I'm really
2: reaching here.
1: I figured maybe it's because they wanted the binoculars for the front, but if they wanted it for the front, why are they in the shops in the first place? Why can I go to Harrods right. and buy binoculars? Wouldn't it make more sense to go to Harrods and say, give me all your binoculars? Right. I'm sending them to the front with the cocaine. Let's go. Chop, chop. Feeding wild animals are bred, apparently. It was particularly bread. I guess oh, that was because shorted. there were. Yeah. Bread shortages But it's my bread Like What difference does it make If I eat my bread Or if it's I'm the one who's gonna go hungry Right
2: I'm pro-Bambi You're not pro-Bambi I get that
1: What if it's stale bread I mean, is it, I mean, what do I have to do? with it? I have to eat it? No. Oh. You fucking sit there and eat that stale bread. You're not feeding it. You probably shouldn't feed stale bread to Or Well, you can feed it. As long as it's not moldy. I don't know. <laughs> Buying alcohol on public transport. thats You could buy alcohol on public transport? That's, that's the story there. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Imagine, uh, yeah. Imagine that. There's just a guy. I imagine it. There's a guy on every train, tram, bus with a big, long trench coat. <laughs> opens it up. And you walk up to him, opens it up, he's got little little, little hotel room-sized <laughs> bottles of scotch, whiskey. What's your pleasure? Hey, well, yeah, governor. What's your pleasure, governor?
2: It's a fair call. Yeah. Now, I just want to go out on a limb and say, if there's, is if ever in a future war, I'm guessing you're going to be one of the first people lined up and shot. Don't don't oh. take that don't take that personally. It's not personal. Oh, I'll, it. it, I'll be
1: surprised if I'll be surprised if they wait until there's another war. Right?
2: They might start one on purpose to say we can finally get this guy. I bet you're on a yeah. list.
1: Your name is on a oh. list somewhere, mate. I am on so many lists you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> that's that's always my goal in life to be on all the lists. Yeah. I want to be on all the lists. That's Some right. people. You know, they have aspirate. They want to be rich. They want to be famous. I just want to be on they all be. the security <laughs> lists. That's my goal. Trifecta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, this whole thing about the uh, soldiers taking drugs. Right. Uh, apparently, it was all hype. And you know about hype, Ray. Yeah. Come across it. I typed don't hype into Spotify, and it gives me Chopin... <laughs> uh, Frederick Chopin 24 Preludes. Oh,
2: oh, don't hype in C-Major. Yeah, I know that one of his.
0: <laughs> don't, 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 well, Here's don't. what I want y'all to do for me. Back, court you looking for the same thing. It's a new thing. Check out this, I bring. uh the road below the level because I'm living low next to the base. Come on! Turn up the radio. They're claiming I'm a criminal. But now I wonder how, some people never know The enemy could be the friend's guardian I'm now a hooligan, I rock the party and clear all the madness I'm not a racist, preach to teach the all op- Cause don't they never had this Number one, never wanna run about the gun I wasn't licensed to have one The minute they see me, fear me I'm the epitome, a public enemy Used, abuse without clues I refuse to blow a fuse They even had it on the news don't b-
1: Of my, my last jam, jam. So, so here it is again, again. Another, another death jam
0: since i gave you all a little something that i knew you lack they still consider me a new jack all the critics you can hang on my hold the rope but they hope to the pope and pray it ain't dope the follow of Farrakhan don't tell me that you understand Until you hear the man the not book up the new school rap game Writers treat me like Coltrane insane Yes to them, but to me, I'm a different kind We're brothers on the same mind, unblind Caught in the middle end, not surrendering I don't run for the sake of riddling. So claim that I'm a smuggler Some say I never heard of ya A rap burglar, false media We don't need it, do we? It's fake, that's what it be to you, dig me? Yo, Terminator X. Step up on the stand and show these people what time it is, boy. Don't, 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 boy. don't
1: believe the high. I just wanted to get up to Flavor saying, boy! Welcome to the back to a yes. Caesar show, yes. man. The, it was they were a Gallic tribe, the bo- <laughs> the boy.
2: Oh my god, it's bringing me up Oh my Oh my yeah. day. That did, was
1: years ago. Yes. Oh my god. Have we been doing this ago. for four years? Isn't it four
2: years? <laughs>
1: forty. Forty, four, forty years, years, I think. <laughs>
2: Oh my 40 God! Years. I just wanted to mention you mentioned the Dora Act, and oh, it was on May of 1916. Just a couple of months later, in July of the same year, they widened it to criminalize the possession of cocaine, opium, uh, for anyone not connected to the medical or veterinary pr- 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 professions. Um, for, 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 for. To, what, what, what? What? Let's see here. And so basically, they're starting to expand it. But again, it's going to be um, it's going to be expanded even more later when they pass this. Very few people at first are. Except for um, a lot of Chinese opium addicts, you know, um, because they're not English, uh, they don't look like everybody else, but it did have a lot of unintended consequences. And again, this law, it probably wasn't meant to It probably didn't mean it this way, but it does end up affecting the poor of Britain, who have need of um, something that's going to kill the pain as, as they get worked on by their local dentist, who's not registered with the government.
1: And it took Scucked to uh, determine that. Sk- um, You know, Scucked. No. For my friend, the, the Select Committee on the Use of Cocaine in Dentistry. Okay. Skuckard. My fa- that's, my fa- that's my favorite committee. If, I'm you, Skuck- if There's a committee. Right. If you're ever in a committee, if you're ever in government and you get invited to be on a committee that has cocaine in the title... <laughs> Go on that committee. I'm guaranteeing you that's the best committee to be on because you'll be like, well, uh, <clears throat> uh, what is this cocaine? I'm not familiar with this. <laughs> uh, have you got any Got any I can look at? Uh, I, I need to understand what we're talking about closer. here. Let me get closer. Let me get closer. Let me get closer.
2: Oh, sorry. I think I accidentally... <clears throat> um, never mind. Continue.
1: Scuckard debunked the myth that cocaine addiction was hitting the British forces hard. They wrote... We are unanimously of the opinion that there is no evidence of any kind to show that there is any serious or perhaps even noticeable prevalence of the cocaine habit amongst the civilian or military population of Great Britain. Mm -hmm. There have been a certain number of cases amongst the overseas troops quartered in or passing through the United Kingdom but there is hardly any trace of the practice having spread to British troops, and apart from a small number of broken-down medical men, there is only very slight evidence of its existence amongst the general population. Yeah, sure, doctors, cokeheads, we get that. Yeah. A- and dentists, quite frankly, we love it. I would. But uh, the rest of the people, nah, they're fine. Yeah. Now, as you say, the dentist cared because cocaine was the number one drug for the lower classes. Right. For reducing pain during dental surgery. They didn't they didn't have laughing gas back then. They didn't have the weed pipe that my dentist gave me once <laughs> and I've been asking him for ever since. He's like, well, it's 70 bucks a toke, and I'm going, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> but co- co- but yeah, they used to just give the patient yeah. some coke. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna be fine. There you go. And after you finish your dental, after we pull your tooth, after we extract your molar. You'll go home. You'll work through the night. You'll write some amazing literature. It's going to be great. You have great sex. You'll cl- Your house will be so fucking clean. You'll have great sex. <laughs> <laughs> with me, you'll have great sex. With me, after I pull your teeth out, right. then clean my surgery. Right. So it was good for everybody. Yeah. Is my point. Win-win. But anyway, now it was effectively illegal. So the point is that the basis for making it illegal. This whole idea that uh, the, the troops in World War I were getting high off their faces right. was apparently, according to Scuckered, horseshit, right. but it was illegal now anyway. Right.
2: And, and, as, and we don't have to go into this too much, but they're going to keep tightening these laws. There's going to be a subsequent Dangerous Drugs Act of 1920 where they keep a lot of the, the provisions of the DORA 40B component, but they also... Um, They broaden it out to mean a lot of other drugs, civilian and military. They just pretty much are beginning to ban it. And that's to line it up with the Versailles Treaty, which we'll go into later. But because of this supposed wartime panic, like you said, they start coming up with these controls for dealing with these narcotics, and even though the the basis of why they did this was uh, was a fallacy, the point is they're starting to tighten up regulation, and it's probably a good thing that they did, because as we're going to see in other countries, um, people are starting, massive amounts of people are starting to get addicted to these various drugs.
1: But in America, in 1916, you could still buy it in your local drugstore. At the time, the soda fountains Mm-hmm. of Atlanta pharmacies had become sort of hangouts for the kids, particularly middle-class whites, mm. as a, as an alternative to bars. If you were too young, if you were like under the age of, say, 21, right. couldn't go to a bar, but you could go to a pharmacy. You couldn't go to a bar and drink alcohol, but you could go to a, a <laughs> pharmacy to a soda fountain right. and get a glass full of cocaine.
2: I love so, this country. I fucking love this country.
1: <laughs> no, you don't. No, I don't. Your country's fucking crazy, batshit crazy. It's tipping over the edge. You just had 17 kids killed yeah. in a school, and your government's doing nothing about it. And the NRA's, and your president's coming in saying, you know what the answer is? We have to give all of our teachers. Guns, train them in guns, highly trained merc- mercs working <laughs> as teachers. Let's get rid of the teachers and we'll just get highly trained mercenaries in, in, in their place. Right. We can teach them. It's easier to teach mercenaries how to teach than it is to teach teachers how to, how to be a, how a, a, a trained assassin. Yeah. Yeah. We need trained assassins in our classrooms because that's the answer to the problem.
2: Heather, my wife, who is a teacher, said she does not want to become one of these armed people. But even if they gave her a gun with no bullets, occasionally the students get out of line and she's afraid she might pistol whip someone. So overall, a very bad idea.
1: She has a gun already. You've already told us that.
2: Well, Heather. yeah, but. Psh,
1: some... She doesn't take it to school often. <laughs> God,
2: I hope not. I hope not.
1: I just love the idea of, you know, teacher being in school, some kid. Teacher says, uh, What's the square root of 16? Kid goes, I don't know, two. Teacher just pulls out a gun, does a whole Samuel L. Jackson. See that again!
0: Say that again, motherfucker! I dare you! I double dare you! <laughs> does Mosales Wallace look like a
1: bitch? I said, What? <laughs> what? No country I've ever heard of! Does Marcellus Wallace look like a bitch? Then why are you trying to fuck me like a bitch? Do I <laughs> Tarantino? Like if they bring guns into the class, uh, Tarantino said he's going to retire.
0: Oh. He's
1: got like two more films left. Right. I reckon if they bring this in, Tarantino he's going. Oh fuck! This is too good. I'm going to I'm going to stick around and yeah, got to write some movies bring about back. this. Oh. Uh, yes. Yeah, so anyway, you could go to a soda fountain something. at a pharmacy. Or a drug store, isn't that what you call them over there? Drug stores. Go to soda fan as a kid, have cocaine mixed with your Coca Cola, a uh, bit of soda water in it, and it was considered an intellectual beverage <laughs> um, amongst uh, the whites. Right. But the problem was, it wasn't only available in the drugstores. Now, your African Americans weren't allowed to go to your soda shops, your drug stores. Right. Uh, in Atlanta because of segregation. Yeah. We're going to talk a lot about segregation and Jim Crow laws over the next couple of episodes. But it was also distributed in bottles, obviously. Um, now, not Coca-Cola at this stage. I think Coca-Cola had uh, removed the Coke, but there were other ones that right. had the Coke in them. Um, New York Times wrote an article about this in 20 years ago, but they were talking about what happened back in the day. Um, it says, middle-class whites worried that soft drinks were contributing to what they saw as exploding cocaine use among African-Americans. Southern newspapers reported that Negro cocaine fiends were raping white women, and the police were powerless to stop them. By 1903, manufacturers had bowed to white fears and a wave of anti-narcotics legislation, removing the cocaine and adding more sugar and caffeine. Uh, but the point I want to make here is that, number one, the police were powerless to stop them. We, look, there's a there's a black guy raping a white woman. And the cops are like, sorry, sorry, there's nothing we can do about it. Why, why not? He's on cocaine, sir. Uh, it's quite obvious by the uh, speed of his thrusting. Uh, we've analysed this stuff down at the department. Yeah, yeah, we can tell. And, um, you know... He hasn't come yet, and it's been we've been we've been standing here watching him for half an hour, and he hasn't come. He's still hard as a rock. Obviously, cocaine involved. Um, Can't do anything about it. Why not? Well, you know, he might he might jump on me. Um, You know, might rip my rip my trousers down. Have a go. You know, I'm not going to expose myself to that. Not. Not, you know, unless I'm paying for it and it's done in a, you know, that we have it, we, we, we agree on a safe word up front.
0: <laughs>
1: what? The police were powerless to stop them. Why? He could
2: fight them Why? Off with one hand and keep giving it to her good. And obviously she's enjoying it, but only because of the cocaine. Um, oh, yeah!
1: You didn't just say the white woman's enjoying being <laughs> raped, right? No, you no, did no! Not no. just no, say that.
2: She, she's getting it better than she's going to get from her white husband at home. I was trying to be racist in in that sense, from only from the waist down. But anyway, that yeah, that might get edited. Yeah, that might get edited out. Yeah, that that was poor oh. choice of words on my part.
1: <laughs> might get edited out. <laughs> So at the time, cocaine addiction was associated with Negroes. Mm-hmm. I've, got a, I've got clips uh, from an old New York Times headline from 1916 or somewhere around that. Negro cocaine fiends are, the, are a southern menace, Ooh. it reads. Murder and insanity increasing among lower class blacks because they have taken to sniffing since deprived of whiskey by prohibition. So I guess this is a little bit after 1916 Right And this is the bit where the cops come into it Proof against bullets But the drug produces several other conditions That make a fiend a peculiarly dangerous criminal One of these conditions is a temporary immunity to shock A resistance to the knockdown effects of fatal wounds Bullets fired into vital parts That would drop a sane man in his tracks Failed to check the fiend <laughs> fail to stop his rush, or weaken his attack. So there you go, Ray. I bet you didn't know that cocaine makes you impervious to bullets. In fact, if you go back to the original Superman stories of the 30s, that was uh, how he got his superpowers originally. It had nothing to do with Krypton and a yellow sun and all that. It was just he he was high on coke. The original Superman, if you go back and look at the original comics, this is real. He was a black guy doing a lot of coke,
2: <laughs> with a little and white the under cops his nose. were shooting at right. him.
1: Yeah, pew, pew, pew. bullets were bouncing off him. He was like, "Man, this coke makes me feel like I'm super." I don't want to fuck a white uh, woman. And then, and then you know they had to change it to make it more politically correct, right. and they had to come up with this bullshit story. But it was really yeah, super, the original Superman was a was a black dude <laughs> high on coke. Not too many
2: people know that, but that's that's actually true. Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, of course, this whole thing about uh uh Cocaine making impervious to bullets is true, and anyone who's seen Al Pacino's Scarface knows that because we saw that. Do
0: you want to play us Okay. No. Share to my little friend. Okay. Do you want to play us Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you, like that? Huh? Do you want more? <laughs>
2: Ah, I love that movie. So the guys he was shooting at, who weren't currently high, probably yeah. died from the bullet. See, that,
1: that's that's okay. right. They died because they hadn't <laughs> right. been sitting behind, at a desk with a mountain of cocaine like he had been. <laughs> he gets shot a bunch of times. He just keeps coming out of man right. because it, it makes you a model. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this New York Times thing wasn't the only headline of this type during the 1900s. I've got one here from the uh, Baltimore Sun of 1906. Baltimore's Negroes are in the thrall of cocaine. Mm. The curse of the Negroes. The practice of cocaine using is confined at present almost exclusively to the coloured population and to degraded white women. To narrow it down more, it may be said that the practice is confined to the criminal element. But when this is asserted it practically means exactly what the first sentence did for the effect of the drug is to convert a law-abiding person into an unscrupulous lawbreaker this faculty of destroying the moral sense is at once its most prominent characteristic and its greatest menace to the community
2: wait so so, so they're not bad people the blacks are not bad people but blacks on drugs makes them bad people that's what i'm hearing
1: Well, yeah, you could read that into there and to degraded white women. And yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. your white women on drugs. Uh, I wonder if they were degraded before they started sniffing the cocaine or after. I don't know. Yeah, there was a cop quoted in the article who said that uh, I believe that the indulgence of cocaine by uneducated blacks is responsible for half of these assaults of the assaults of these beasts upon white women. So, um, yeah, man, that's it's that's the only reason yeah. a white woman wants to fuck a black man <laughs> is that she must be high off her head on Coke. <laughs> I mean There's no other every time other Chrissy reason, yeah. every time Chrissy says, you know, uh, Heather's told me that this whole D'Angelo <laughs> thing is pretty awesome. I'm like, Are you high yeah. on Coke? Woman? <laughs> you must be. That because that is the only reason yeah. any white woman would find you know, yeah. a, a tall, ripped, well harmed, good looking black man to be sexy. Do you know? Um, it's the only explanation for it, right? Do you know? And, that's science,
2: and, <laughs> and it really hurts the family because when Heather and I are together in a biblical way, and I'm having a really good moment, sometimes she'll slap my ass and go, "Get it, you big black stud!" And that's when I know she's not thinking mm-hmm. of me, and it
1: hurts. Mm. It hurts. Yeah. Is, is she high on cocaine at the time? Can you tell?
2: I don't know. I turn Probably. the light out because sometimes. Probably. Anyway, it's complicated.
1: Mm, it helps. <laughs> it helps. Yeah. Um, she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to. You know. Come out of her stupor and realise she's having sex with a midget. She wants to imagine that it's a big black dude. Um, don't we all? That same article I quoted. Claims that one young man in Baltimore made a hundred thousand dollars selling cocaine in one year. This is in nineteen oh six.
2: Oh my god! You could work for one year and retire. Wow! I'm doing like wrong. if you
1: call that if you call that <laughs> if you call that working.
2: That's true. That's
1: true. Like you would.
2: Oh, I had to read a book and play with a puppy dog all day. I had to I'm on, so tired. I just sit on a corner and hand out small bags for cash. Oh. It's killing my back.
1: (laughs) Now, further down the line in the US, uh, the racial disparities of the positioning of drugs and drug laws Mm -hmm. became a lot more evident. Um, Now, some of these issues also came about when the US took control of the Philippines after the war in Spain. When was the Spanish-American War? Like 1899, 1900, somewhere like that? something, 98, something like that. Yeah, late 19th century, they, and as we've talked about, I think, on the Cold War show, mm-hmm. America ended up taking control of the Philippines. They said, we're, we're here to kick out the imperialists, and <laughs> now we're the new imperialists. <laughs> yeah, yes. And America then, you know, the Philippine, the Filipinos went, thanks for kicking out the imperialists. Well, we're right now, and the Americans went, no, you're not. No, no you need, you need no, us. We, you need us. Teddy Roosevelt was like, no, no, no. <laughs> You know we're here. Yeah. We're a guiding hand. We like we like beer. Um, so, and America basically controlled the Philippines then um, for what fifty years. Yeah. Give or take. Give or take. Right. Um, now, opium addiction uh, ha- had become a big problem in the civilian population of the Philippines, mm-hmm. thanks mostly to the British. As we will see uh, in our upcoming episodes on opium and heroin and the opium wars into China and blah 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 blah, we're going to go into that in some detail when we get up to opium. But there was this American episcopal bishop, episcopal episcop episc is that how yeah, you say it? Episcopal? episcopal, yeah, yeah. See, I fucking never know how to say it's that okay. word because we don't, we don't have it here. An episcopal bishop. Charles Henry Brent Mm -hmm. he was David Brent's great great grandfather I believe was uh, serving as a missionary bishop in the Philippines in 1901 and and he convened this commission of inquiry known as the Brent Commission Mm -hmm. to try and figure out what they were going to do about all the opium addicts and he recommended that or the commission recommended that narcotics should be the subject of international controls and this led to the United States Department of State and Teddy Roosevelt in 1906 pulling together this international conference called the International Opium Commission, which was held in Shanghai in 1909. There was a second conference held at The Hague in uh, 1911, Mm -hmm. which produced the first international drug control treaty, the International Opium Convention of 1912. And we're going to go into a lot more detail, as I said, in a later episode about um, opium and how all of this came about because it's separate to cocaine. But basically, all of this led to the Harrison Narcotics Tax Act of 1914 in the US. Now, before. Which made it a lot easier, which what made it more difficult. To get cocaine and opium. Right. Yes, you no, wanted to get cocaine. I'm say sorry, something? I, I, just,
2: I just thought this was entertaining. When um, when William Howard Taft and Charles Brent get to the Philippines in 19. Uh, 19- 1901 1902 they have several problems they have to deal with besides the opium problem there's a large percentage of the locals who still practice head hunting there's a lot of um muslims there and there's a lot of chinese businessmen there and so they're trying to decide do we try to convert these people or whatever but but uh brent was smart enough not to try to do some aggressive converting but the point is when they got there and they um and they came up with their um when they came up with their plan, what they decided to do was continue the policy of the Spaniards that included issuing narcotics addicts licenses and legally supplying them with opium. However, this is going to be obviously be opposed on a moral, moral grounds by the clergy who are, like you just said, are going to win this argument in the end. So they have to come up with ending legal sales of opium by 1908. But between the, um, the Chinese businessmen and uh, having Hong Kong's so so close to it, uh, the opium trade illegally is not going to go anywhere for any time soon. Because like like just like in America and everywhere else, these people are addicted. They're going to try to find some way to get it. So again, America is taking the first steps. They're trying to do something legally, but it's not going to address the main main issue that there is a demand, and people will figure out a way to supply that demand.
1: Exactly. Now, the Harrison Narcotics Tax Act of 1914 was, uh, quote, an act to provide for the registration of, with collectors of internal revenue, and to impose a special tax on all persons who produce, import, manufacture, compound, deal in, dispense, sell, distribute, or give away opium or coca leaves, Mm. their salts, derivatives, preparations, or other, for other purposes. So it basically meant they were gonna tax dealers what? in drugs. They're not making it illegal to have mm-hmm. it, they're just making it taxable if you sell it. Jeez. Um now physicians were exempt from this. They could still prescribe it to a patient. In the course of normal treatment, but not for treatment of addiction. So if I go to my doctor and I say, doctor, I've got a pain in my tooth. Right. He says, here's some cocaine, my good man, be on your way. <laughs> or some opium. Or if I say, listen, I'm a lady and I've got the, I've got the time of the month cramps, right. here's some laudanum, Aww. which we'll talk about Thank laudanum you. in another episode. Um, but if I go and say, doc... Um, you know, been high as a motherfucker for the last month and now I'm coming down and, and I got I got the shivers and the shakes and the pains. Yeah. Can you give me can you give me something to get me through? You'd go, no, 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 son, I can't do that. But uh, you got any got a got any other pains? Uh no. Really? Really? Think Twink. about it. Think about it for a second. You got any anything else hurt? Wink wink. No. Yeah. Here, just yeah. yeah. Just close your eyes for a second. Alright, like Ow! <laughs> All right, now do you Now, do you feel anything? Yeah, my jaw hurts. Right. You want some cocaine for that? Cha-ching. He just made a sale. Oh, good.
2: Yeah. Now I had <laughs> I had read um, you were talking earlier about some of the very racist stuff in the newspapers. I had read just prior to the Harrison Narcotics Act of December seventeenth, nineteen fourteen. Yeah, a lot of the newspapers were doing everything. Uh, they were writing up sex mad Negroes, degenerate Mexicans smoking the marijuana, Chinamen seducing the white women. I mean, it was just all getting out of hand. That the uh, and I think you might have mentioned this on a previous show that <laughs> the Southern sheriffs had to increase the. Cal- of their other weapons um, from .32 to .38 to bring down the Negroes under the effect of cocaine. So, so, again, the American public, the white American public, was hyped up by a lot of newspaper accounts. So, yeah, this is going to pass relatively easy. But so like you said, the government's going to come in to make money. They're not banning anything yet.
1: I mean, completely. Dr. Hamilton, Dr. Hamilton Wright, who is America's first drug czar, and we'll talk about him in more detail in an upcoming episode. He testified at a hearing for the Harrison Act. He uh, said drugs made blacks uncontrollable, gave them superhuman powers. They, they could fly. Um, they could jump taller than a building. And uh, they, could, they had x-ray vision and they could see what color underwear he was wearing. That's what creeped him out the most. And it caused them to rebel against white authority. Now right. Ray, that's where I draw the line. When when the Darkies start to rebel against white white whitey. Oh. That's when you need to bring in your drug laws, no doubt about it. You can't have darky talking back to the white man.
2: Couldn't he just said they rebel against authority? But I guess he was being completely <laughs> honest. He was being completely honest. Yeah. yeah. Yep.
1: Jeez. Um Now, uh, (laughs) uh, it was uh, also stated uh, during the Harrison Act hearings that it has been authoritatively stated that cocaine is often the direct incentive to the crime of rape by the Negroes of the South and other sections of the country. So you take a, you hit, do a line, yeah. and all of a sudden you just fucking want to rape everything, where the white, women, white at? women. Where the white women at? Yeah, where the white girls at? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna talk back to Whitey, and then rape his wife. Oh, That's what Cote did. Oh my god. Um, although Mr. Wright, Doctor Wright, failed to mention specifically which authorities had stated that and what the evidence mm. was for his claim, but. He didn't want to let this uh, fact-based thinking get in the way of (laughs) his statements that it was all about the Negroes and the wanting to rape white women. He's
2: a doctor. He doesn't have to bring evidence.
1: Dr. Wright also stated that uh, one of the most unfortunate phases of smoking opium in this country is the large number of women who have become involved and were living as common-law wives or cohabitating with Chinese in the Chinatowns of our various cities? Mm.
2: No, no. No, that's just, that's just, and see, that, that's just the thing I was about to mention by, and this is the great irony here. By 1914, opium use in some sectors of America was decreasing. Most of the users were the women who were getting it from their doctors. By 1914, 46 states had regulations about cocaine. So they were working on this, but you're right. The, most of the people doing this are the white people who are getting it from their doctors.
1: Chinese doctors who were then saying, why don't you... Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you come and live with me? <laughs> and it'll just well, make it easier yeah. for me to supply you with uh, with uh, with you opium. Come my just house. come and just live with me. <laughs> I set you up right. Really I deliberately Stopped myself from going into I a bad... Know. Know. You know, I drew the line. Even <laughs> I drew the line at doing a bad Chinese, oh. you know, Dr. Fu Manchu <laughs> accent, but you just went right in well, there. You, what happened to you, Ray? You, there was a there time was a when you would yeah. have stopped yourself right. there.
0: Um.
2: Well, one, you've done so many uh, accents for you to suddenly pull back. doesn't mean as much as you think it does. Uh, And I'm just trying to (laughs) catch up to you. So I saw an opportunity to be inappropriate, and I took it.
1: Is it the cocaine making you do that, Ray? Just a little bit. Rebelling against white (laughs) authority. The head of the State Pharmacy Board of Pennsylvania, Dr. Christopher Koch, was also at the Harrison uh, hearings. He testified that most of the attacks upon the white women of the South are the direct result of a cocaine crazed Negro brain. Wow.
2: That sounds scientific.
1: Now, it was an extreme. The point of all of this is to point out that there was an extreme racist argument Mm -hmm. put forward for why there needed to be uh, restrictions around these drugs. Now, whether or not the, the the people making these arguments really believed them or were just using them to to emotionally manipulate people, I can't say. Right. But the point is that they weren't talking about white people using drugs unless it was white women. They don't talk about the doctors. They don't talk about the dentists. They don't talk about the rest of the white population. And it's the same today. It's always been the same. Mm. Most of the stories... That you hear sensationalized in the media about drugs relate to uh, African Americans and or when it's like uh, they're they're bringing their rapists Trump right. Mexicans, it's the same thing today. What are we? hundred years later, plus it's the same thing. It's still when you hear about drugs, it's always racialized. It's the blacks. It's the Mexicans. Uh, you don't hear about it uh, and usually when you when you associate. If you look at the news, story, if you did an analysis of the media coverage of drugs and looked at how many times they were talking about whites mm. versus blacks and Mexicans, right. be interesting to see. I haven't done that analysis of, of recent media, but I, but I should have looked that up. Somebody can do that for us. One of our uh, uh, listeners out there who's got some time on your hands. Yeah, someone who's retired, uh, got a f- puppy. B- yeah, I wonder if there's anyone like that Who actually could like think outside the box Not just, you know Email me the night before the show And say, can you give me your notes But did, actually use their spare time To do some fucking work Could uh, have done that research But yeah, yeah. I don't know, just yeah. in theory yeah. If there's someone, yeah. someone out there Somewhere, maybe yeah. listening yeah. Um, But, despite the racialization Back in 1916 uh, The... Contemporary research on the subject from the time suggested that black Americans were, in fact, using cocaine and opium <laughs> at much lower rates <laughs> than white Americans. Um, and I'm quoting here from a paper written by John Helmer and Thomas Vitoris Drug Use, the Labor Market and Class Con- Conflict, Washington Drug Abuse Council, 1974. Mm. So then, as I suspect today, drugs weren't a black American problem. They weren't a Mexican <laughs> problem. They weren't a Chinese right. problem. They were they were a problem across society. And we've talked about in, in our earlier episodes, you know, cocaine was in everything from soft drinks to, you know, toothpaste to baby yeah. bloody drops to get your kids to sleep. It was in everything, drugs back then. Um, but of course when they're trying to sensationalize it, it becomes it's a problem with the blacks and the Mexicans and the Chinese. <laughs>
2: Now, I found it interesting that uh, three years after this Harrison Act was passed, they slowly began to to figure some of this out, and they come down on the doctors just a little bit. The doctors quickly uh, learned after 1917 not to supply just willy-nilly to addicts. Um, There's several court cases against them. Some of the doctors were actually arrested and went to jail. But again, the physicians were not allowed to give this narcotics out just because someone was addicted. But if they said that they were working on it or that they were trying to cut down, or they were in rehab or whatever the appropriate of rehab was back then, then the doctors could give it to them because they were trying to help them with that. But again, even the doctors feel a little bit of pressure starting in 1917, but obviously nothing compared to the blacks in America who were not doing this nearly as much as the whites are.
1: Yeah, there, there was this uh, the study that I mentioned um, said that as of 1911, based on contemporary research at the time, it was estimated that one in 400 American citizens was addicted to some form of opium. Not cocaine here, just opium. And they were mostly women, Mm -hmm. and they were mostly getting it legally from their doctors and pharmacists for, quote-unquote, female problems. Um, Just... Taking too long to get ready to go out at night. You say, "How long are you going to be?" She says, 15 minutes." An hour and a half later, you're still waiting for it to come down. What happens is you send it to the doctor, and he gives her some cocaine. Right. Oh, that's not opium. <laughs> now, opium should be asleep. You go, what? <laughs> oh, she's asleep again. <laughs> should have been giving him cocaine All for time, that.
2: Just yeah, hurry, uh, hurry up. Hurry up. Yeah. Hurry up.
1: Yeah. Um, that's you gotta. I've always found this with um, the my my women. <laughs> Um, you know, I have to have a range of drugs to give them at different times yeah, 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 yeah. to get them to to, to to make them do what I want them to do. Right? If I want them to hurry up, I give them a bit of coke. Right. If I want them to shut up, I give them some opium and they go to sleep. You know, it's... Yeah, <laughs> sounds, sounds reasonable. Yeah. Oh, my God. If Chrissy ever <laughs> listens to my shows, I'm in so much fucking trouble. It's a good thing she yeah. doesn't. I encourage it. Yeah, yeah I encourage you not listening to the shows. <laughs> um. Yeah, so they were getting it from the doctors. Um. Uh, and sometimes from Chinese men at opium dens. Mm-hmm. But I think what what probably happened is the, the the women would go to the doctors, get legal opiates for menstruation. Right. Um, uh, and then uh, either the, the doctor won't give it to them anymore when they become addicted. Or they feel embarrassed because the doctor, you know, back then you, you had your family GP. The GP knew you, yeah. knew your husband, knew your parents, knew everybody, and it's embarrassing to go back to your GP and go, "Hey, I, I need a little, need a little something, hey? need a little, need a little hit." Pick me up. Um, so they would go to opium dens to get their hit and etc. Now, between um, two thirds and three quarters of the opium addicts in the US at the time were white women. Mm yeah but you don't but but in in the, in the salacious media coverage they're just called degraded white women getting raped by the darkies <laughs> is the way it's portrayed Chinese. not you don't see it well you know these women had period pain and they were prescribed this by the doctors and they got addicted whoops <laughs> and now they're having sex with black yeah. men and uh, Chinese guys at opium dens in order to get their hit. Um, So, yeah, the the truth wasn't really told. Now, uh, another thing I want to point out about the Narcotics Tax Act, the title Narcotics isn't really accurate um, because it's not being used just to talk about opiates. It's also being used to talk about cocaine. Now, it still gets used the same way. Narcotics has become like an umbrella term for drugs, but that's not really true. Uh, Cocaine, for example, is a stimulant not a narcotic, mm-hmm. a na- n- narco. It mean like it means sleep, like narcolepsy. Ah. Um, it, it, a narcotic puts you to sleep, relaxes you, puts you to sleep. Uh, a cocaine is an upper; it's a stimulant. So it, cocaine's technically not a narcotic. Is my point. Um, anywho, so cocaine possession for anyone other than medical personnel was made a crime in nineteen sixteen, but. It persisted. Throughout the 20s and 30s, obviously, people didn't stop taking it. It was still a popular drug. As late as 1934, Cole Porter wrote, I get a kick out of you, in which there's this line. Some, they may go
0: for cocaine. I'm sure that if I took even one sniff, it would bore me to riff. Thickly too, yet I get a kick
1: out of you. Oh my God. Apparently, Cole Porter was a Cole Porter was a huge cokehead. <laughs> I, I I put um I put a clip on posted just to Facebook the other day of Frank singing that song on a TV show, his own TV show, I assume. Uh, Probably in the 50s or early 60s. Judging by the roundness of his face, yeah, early 60s. And he changed that line to, Some girls like perfume from Spain. I'm sure that if I took even... So I assume that at the time it was... uh, Probably wouldn't have made it through standards uh, on TV to actually use the cocaine line to change the line. I remember when I first heard that song. I was in my early twenties when I really got into Frank. It's like nineteen or 20, 18, 19, 20, Really got into Frank in a big way. Remember, I heard that and I was shocked but- <laughs> to hear him talk about sniffing cocaine on a song, let alone <laughs> you know a, a Frank Sinatra era song. Because you know by this time it was late eighties, mm-hmm. early nineties. Uh, you know, I, I was twenty in nineteen ninety. Cocaine had been totally demonized. We'd been through Nancy Reagan's just say no bullshit in the 80s. Um, And I was shocked. And I got thinking about it over the last week. There are very few songs that I could come up with Mm -hmm. that give a positive cocaine message. Now, you know, a fucking ton of artists, musicians use cocaine. Tons of them It's pretty
2: much required Bowie
1: It was basically Bowie's only component of his diet For about five (laughs) years in the 70s Um, The Thin White Duke period It was just coke, breakfast, lunch and dinner And snacks in between, man Um, Now, ask yourself this question How many songs can you come up with That talk positively about cocaine? Yeah openly not not using allegory right, right. like this like like this, this song this is a good shit song yeah <sighs> Such a fucking great riff. Do you know the track? Mm. Snowblind by Black Sabbath, 1972. The lyrics, what you get and what you see, things that don't come easily, feeling happy in my vein, <laughs> icicles within my brain. I don't know if you picked it up, but there's a whisper that goes, cocaine. <laughs> um, God. But you had to use allegories in, in, in a lot of your uh, songs to talk about drugs, otherwise, you get in trouble, like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, etc. You couldn't speak openly about it. But even outside of that, I couldn't find a lot of positive cocaine songs. On Wikipedia, I could find 232 songs about booze, 94 songs about weed, 30 songs about heroin, but only 12 songs about cocaine, and most of those were anti cocaine right. songs or protest songs about how blacks and whites are treated differently, like this classic by Melly Mel... So count for count pound for pound costs more than gold. gold. The longer you stay, the more you pay. My, My white line goes go a long way Either the up the your nose, or through your vein. With nothing to gain except killing your brain. breathe,
0: breathe,
1: run, run. Hi, baby. Get high, baby. Get high, baby! Oh, what a classic. Now people may be going, what Melly Mel, that was Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. and eh, no, it wasn't actually, it was Bill as a Grandmaster Flash song at the time, but Grandmaster Flash actually had nothing to do with it. He'd sort of quit and, you know, gone somewhere right. else. It was just all Melly Mel, man. Melly Mel put that out, and he actually was on the – also, I think they might have both been on the Duran Duran uh, cover that came out whenever that was in the 90s. Um, but, they, you know, that's sort of a, it's, it's a negative cocaine song. Right. Um, nothing to gain except killing your brain. Uh, a million magic crystals painted pure and white A multi-million dollars almost overnight Twice as sweet as sugar, twice as bitter as salt And if you get hooked, baby, it's nobody else's fault So don't do it But And then I love, he's got the line A street kid gets arrested, gonna do some time He got out three years from now just to commit more crime A businessman is caught with 24 kilos He's out on bail and out of jail and that's the way it goes yeah. Um, which, do you know uh, who that's referencing? No. The businessman line? No. Um what, what was the fucking uh, Back to the Future car? DeLorean. DeLorean. Yeah, the motherfucker oh, behind DeLorean. Really?
2: Okay, yeah, it sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah.
1: He was The company was going bankrupt, so he started uh, dealing in coke to <laughs> try and keep the company alive. There's a business model. And go got caught with 24 kilos and they just said, yeah, pay bail. And he's out and he was free, you know, but as he says, like a street kid gets arrested, he's going to do time. Yeah. Um, yeah you want well, to, to go something? back
2: to your original premise? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing by the seventies and eighties to have pro cocaine songs would be the equivalent of a career killer because some mother's going to hear that and say, you're not going to have that album or you can't have this in the house or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, by then we had, because of uh, what we're going to talk about later in the '60s and the '50s and the war on drugs, based on some laboratory rat tests, uh, the message the government had got the message out, you know, pretty pretty consistently over the decades. And so by the time the '70s and '80s come, yeah, this is all negative stuff. You can't write about it the way you could previously when it was legal, or just after it had become illegal.
1: Well. <clears throat> I've got more songs to talk about cocaine, but uh, I think we're over time, mm. Ray. So uh, we should uh, wrap it up there. Uh, we'll be back next week with more cocaine and maybe even some heroin next liking. week. Tune in for tune in for cocaine and heroin next week on uh, the Bullshit Filter.